generate is supporting my vision to improve the financial literacy of 100,000 Kiwis by sponsoring Keep the Change. Cheers, Generate. Head to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to find out more. Getting in the KiwiSaver fund that suits you and your situation is key to making sure you're maximising your investment. Generate are an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of long-term performance and they can help you do exactly this. Their advisors can meet with you to talk about all your options when it comes to KiwiSaver to help you decide what's best for you. Too many people never get KiwiSaver advice, but not you. Go to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to book a no-obligation chat with a Generate advisor. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited. And of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. I toss and turn, I keep stressing my mind, mind. I look for peace, but see, I don't attain. What I need for keeps this silly game we play, play. Now look at this. Welcome back. You are listening to another episode of the Keep the Change.co.nz's Money Mail. Every Friday, a lesson coming to you to help you learn about your finances, money, what's going on out there, and how the hell we can look after ourselves. And all of the craziness that is the world and New Zealand at the moment. I hope you've been enjoying the podcast with Mikey. I've been a little bit late to record this one because this is week number 127. The last couple of weeks we've been diving into productivity and I think that those two will become even more and more important as people who maybe sort out some of their early financial issues, you know, tidying up your buy now, pay later, your credit card, all those types of things, and then you start to understand the concept of time is money, money is time, then why don't I figure out how to find some more time, will I trade money for time, all those different things, you start to get to play around with those and figure out, is it worth it? And those two lessons are designed to get you thinking about that, and I think there are some really practical things in there to help people understand the concept of productivity, which is basically just more output per hour so it's making us more productive and making us more effective now the reason I'm a little bit late is I went away on the weekend so I was in Sydney for an event I always enjoy going overseas post COVID and whatnot because it gets you just out of kind of the New Zealand environment for a bit and you get to see what's going on over there and one thing I did notice on productivity is you can catch a train you can just tap your FPOS card or your debit or credit card and it will charge you rather than oh no you need to fucking go and buy another piece of plastic and then top that up at the local bloody superette down there and you're just like oh this is just so punishing so we introduce technology sometimes and then make things worse for people instead of making it faster and easier I did enjoy the fact that Sydney they said just tap your debit or credit card we don't care what it is you can get on the tram and you can go which was pretty cool and sped things up, and I went to an event, and there was about 46,000 people there, the lines to get uh, a couple of drinks, they were massive, but they moved quite quickly, because what happened was, when you got to the front, there were two people taking your order, one person was collecting your cash, and basically telling you you need to be tapping going and the other person was opening your drinks you know that's the thing now you know we're not even fucking responsible enough to open our own can of piss like seriously this is the world we live in but anyway 
they now have to pay someone to stand behind there to do it. But that's the rule. You know, you can't walk away with a bloody open can of grog, so we'll have to open it for you. So now you have to hire someone to do it. And that's the thing I always find funny about productivity and technology is people say, oh, the robots are going to take all the jobs and, oh, this bad, you know, you if you're using the shop and go at at countdown, then you're, you know, starving someone of a job that they could have. But meanwhile, what we do is we go, oh, you know what, if you want to drink grog in an event, if you want to have a couple of beers and enjoy yourself, I tell you what, uh, we're going to have to open those cans for you. And given that we know that 40,000 out of these 46,000 people are going to want to do that, we'll have to hire a whole stack of people to open your cans of drink for you. So, you know, I don't think that whatever technology we have is really going to take away jobs forever or all of the jobs because there are always rules that we put in place and we don't have technology that can basically do those things straight away and then we figure out a way to do it. It is just an interesting observation from that weekend but the lines keep moving quickly. I've been to Eden Park where you're standing in a massive line and they are saying oh you know it's, it's this amount and now you've got to pay for it and oh hold on just come back here I've got to take the lid off of your, your can of drink and open it for you and things seem so slow. So humans we love to get involved in a process and ruin it. Now I want to take you back quite a few weeks ago because I mentioned something about a insurance type scheme that could be getting introduced. I didn't write about it at the time but I said I would for you and I'm glad that I took a little bit of time because there's been some development since then. So week number 127 is about this potentially introduced scheme that will ensure that uh, more of your pay will be taken from you before you get it. So let's explore that and see what it's all about. The subject for this week was more of your pay before you get it. Some time ago I mentioned an insurance scheme that the government is looking to introduce. This was an announcement quite some time ago, so it came out in the budget 2021, and it's still not yet confirmed, so it's still not confirm that this is going to go through but my hunch is that this will become something because it's a pretty good legacy for a government in power to leave it is a pretty good it's one of those things where you look back in 10 years and go you know say it's needed by a lot of people you would go wow you know thank god we put that in place so I think this is a bit of a legacy play and and it will get rolled through but we'll see you know so let's see but what the hell is it well it's a levy paid for by employees so you and I and employers, many of you, at 1.39% of total wages. So if you're on the median income of $61,000, you'll be $847.90 out of pocket each year. What the fuck, Luke, what do you mean? Yes, well, you're going to pay $847.90 towards this insurance scheme that the government are looking to put in, and then your employer is going to have to match that as well. Now, if you earn more, well, it's going to increase as you earn more, and we'll, it does get capped out, and we'll discuss that soon. But what it means is that if you're made redundant, or if you can't keep working, the scheme kicks in and pays 80% of your wages for six months. I did read that this would be capped at a maximum of about $2,000 a week before tax. For the first four weeks, your employer would pay you 80% of your wage, and then the scheme would kick in. That's quite a lot of time and the purpose is that it gives you some breathing room to look for another job and not rush into something. Now, I just need to talk about this now because I could forget by the end of this, but when I, after posting this on social media, I had a couple of people message and I will go on to talk about how this scheme could get used against its intended purposes, is probably the terminology, but someone said to me, wicked looks like I'm going to get made redundant every six months and I said what what do you mean and they said well like why wouldn't you it's just great way and 
kind of that fuck working type mentality and I'll use the system to my advantage. Now, I just want to say that that level of thinking, you'll always be poor. I'm going to put it out there. Your life will suck forever. If that's how your mindset works, you're already a victim. You're already figuring out how you can use a system that's getting introduced to your best advantage because you don't believe in trying to figure out how you could create a better life for yourself. So you've given up on that. So you decide, oh, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll ask my employer, can you make me redundant? And I'll fuck around at home for six months and, you know, not do too much. Well, how is that? I can see why people think like that. But in my opinion, that is a loser's mindset. It's a loser's mentality and it's a victim mentality. And it's, it's a place where you get stuck. And the longer you get stuck there, the longer that your life's going to be hard. You're going to resent other people. You end up like, you know, tall poppy is shit about people that actually get ahead and don't rely on these types of things and they actually try and carve their own path in their life. So you will have, if you're listening to this, no doubt, some of you are probably thinking, well, I'm, I'm going to do it. Like, I'd want to do it. I, I get what they're saying. But trust me, that will not set you up for a good life if you continue to think like that because you'll spend the money that you get from that. You'll sit around at home and you'll think of more ways to be and act like a victim and a loser and think the world's against you and how there's no point to actually work and whatnot. And this is not for people that genuinely need this scheme or need something like a benefit, for instance. This is for people deliberately choosing to game the system. Now, I've told you before about stories where people will understand a system and they will take it to its max entirety, to the level. That's what humans do, right? I think I've told you that story before about how uh, someone, they could get into a university course if they had X percentage of a ethnic ethnicity what's the word ethnicity there we go in them whatever the terminology is right I'm trying to be very politically correct here and what they did is they discovered that they could go right back through their family history and tick they were able to then get into this university course via that now then what they did is they thought, well, if I can do it, I could probably teach other people. And then they did that. They found other people that wanted to get in there, but they couldn't, but they could through this back door and then charge them to learn how they went about it and they teach the process. So that is the, the, that's what humans will do, right? They'll look at a system and they'll go, how can I push it to its complete boundaries? And then there's always people that will go, like I'm going to use this to my advantage and then sell the information that I've created, et cetera, right? So just um it, it's human behavior it is what it is but you will when this if this becomes a thing you will have people that will want to play that game of oh how can I use this to my advantage and not actually work and just you know go out and and bloody get made redundant and then coast for the next six months and then find another job and do it all again and whatever and I'm sure there will have to be limits in place because these systems when they put them in place they know that people are going to take the piss of them but if I could just reiterate for you the longer you have that sort of mindset, it will fuck you up and it won't take you very far and it's just not a good place to go. So be very careful of your friends that start telling you that that's what you should do as well and, you know, just there's not much down that path. There is no real progress in a life or there is no thing pulling you to greater because you're basically accepting, well, instead of me, here's my dream over there. I can see it. It's miles away from me. Instead of me trying to get towards it, I'm just going to give up and I'm going to sit over here for a while inside this kind of, this bit on the sideline that they've allowed for me, which seems pretty coasty and pretty cushy and yeah, sweet. So you've got, you don't even have a dream pulling you anymore. 
and you're basically just out on the sideline. So don't fall for it, people. Don't fall for it. Of course, people, employees, and employers, you know, it's not just employees. Employers will no doubt find ways to game the system. The old agreed-upon redundancy, which could, which would give an employee six months to find a new job. But by design, with this new scheme, you'd have to think that it's there to protect people in the event of another big black swan, a big black swan like the pandemic, where a lot of people went on to some form of government support funded by taxes and debt to prop up their income. So I think what they're doing here is they're saying, well, we didn't have this sort of scheme in place when COVID kicked in, right? So if we did, instead of giving out so much of a wage subsidy to people, they would have it would have allowed employers to make their staff redundant, but those people would have been able to have the safety of 80% of their income paid to them via the scheme for the next six months at least and some time to get reallocated into other roles in the market. Now, that sounds like quite a good thing, doesn't it? But of course, people aren't going to like the fact that they are going to have to pay for it because at the moment with the wage subsidy, the future generations and current taxpayers are paying that and now that's how we end up in debt and that's you know, money that can't be spent on hospitals and roads and potholes and all those types of things, so we're having to pay it in a wage subsidy to keep people in jobs. And the government are basically saying, we can't let that happen again, let's make each individual pay. But you're kind of fucked one way or the other, other, aren't you? Because there'll be a lot of people that will never use the scheme, but they'll pay their whole life. And they'll feel ripped off because they'll go, well, I'm not going to use this, so why do I need to pay towards it? Why are you making it compulsory? But again, the same thing with the wage subsidy, a whole heap of people never got that or didn't benefit from that as such, but it all got, you know, so then some people got a lot more than others and people, you know, hairdressers, for instance, were, um, you know, sitting at home, they couldn't work, they just, they couldn't, it wasn't allowed, whereas someone might have been packing, you know, groceries or whatnot at a distribution centre and they had to be there, they were essential and whatnot, so they were working for their money, whereas the hairdresser wasn't. And there's all these things where it becomes unfair, but ultimately the taxpayer, i.e. the current taxpayer plus the future taxpayer, because we're having to get debt to pay for it, you know, they're the ones paying the bill for that. So in some way, shape or form, we're always going to have to pay for these things when they pop up, right? And hopefully these black swans don't come along too often, but, you know, the way the world is going at the moment, you just don't know. So that is obviously why they're looking at putting this in. Now, of course, some people are going to look at this as a levy, or the, at this levy as a tax, aren't they? Because the employee will lose a percentage of their income and have less disposable income. And that's the bit that I want to really get across to you guys and what I was why I did this is because when this kicks in, if it does kick in, you're going to get less income and people are going to get a pay slip and go, hang on, why did I get paid less? Oh, hey, there's a new levy, whatever they're going to call the levy, and that means that come out of your pay so you get less. And people are going to go, well, fuck, you know, most people have paycheck to paycheck, don't they? They budget based on exactly what they're going to have coming in net. Now, if they don't know about this well enough, they're then going to look at it and go, well, I haven't been paid enough, you need to give me a pay rise. So I'd say a lot of people are going to want a pay rise in order to be able to increase their net pay so that they can still match what it was before the levy. Now, that then raises the, the question of inflation, doesn't it? But we'll get to that in a second. So the more you earn, the more you will pay, but it is capped. The levy will have a maximum earnings cap initially set at $130,911. So I'd imagine it's probably 2.5% of the population probably earn that or above. So if you earn that amount, you'll be paying $1,819.66 annually to the scheme. So t- just about 2 Gs, if you're on 130 k 2 Gs, gone, gone. 
and they'll be getting contributed to this levy. So you will have $2,000 less, which is quite a bit of money to have taken from you, right? Now, employers are also expected to pay, so they are no doubt going to pass those costs on to consumers over time to make up the extra cost of, to them, aren't they? And that's where that inflation piece comes in. So you're going to get taxed effectively, and the employer is going to get taxed in the form of, well, you have to pay for this too, which decreases their margins, and they think, well, I want to protect my margins, I'm then going to have to pass on my margin increasing costs by increasing my prices and then the consumer pays for it as well and then you're going to ask for a pay rise too so you can have enough money to buy the things you need to and round and round we go. Employers are also, oh we've got that bit, there are plenty of arguments for and against this proposal and one of the things I think is great about it when used genuinely, we've touched on the genuine versus the people that just want to give up, is that it will severely decrease the financial and emotional stress of a household should someone be made redundant. Redundant. We know that people aren't prepared with emergency funds and spare cash, so I do fear that people often rush into jobs they had no intention of having in order to maintain their status quo. Now what I mean by that is that if you're to be made redundant, like it's a pretty big shock, right? And if there's no kind of payout to give you time to find a job, I think a lot of people then just rush into a job so that they've got that uh, income and that certainty because I think a lot of people build their lives around the income that they have and we all know that as we increase our income we seem to match our uh, income with our expenses. Now, not a lot of people could actually just not work for a few months and find a job. They would have to still be having money coming in. And that's where I think people end up in jobs or roles that they don't. And that's where I think this scheme kind of buys people some time to be able to find something they really want to be doing, which is a pretty cool thing. Now, for some of the ins and outs, uh, ACC are going to be needing some new staff because they will be the ones administering this scheme. And if you use the scheme, you'll be assigned a case manager to help you return to work. It might not be a six or seven month bender on the bloody PlayStation and you may be held accountable. So you're not just going to be able to get made redundant and sit at home for six months and wait till the very last day and then go, oh, yep, found a new job and I'm going to go work for my mate now or down the bloody local fish and chip shop or um, grab me corporate role and climb the ladder or whatever it is that you want to do in your blue suit, you know, so... Apparently they are going to have case managers that are going to be on your ass making sure that you're actually actively trying to get a job. Will that work? Well, who knows? Again, some people, they'll want to get back into work and I think working is really healthy. It's good for structure. It's good for your mental health. It's actually good for a number of things. But we, we have a lot of people that don't want to work or they want to, you know, humans, we want to work as least possible and get the maximum possible return, right? And that's just kind of how we are wired. But I'm sure there will be some people that won't need the whole six months on this, whereas there'll be other people who will game the system again to to get away from their case managers and find ways to go, well, I applied for that job, but I didn't get it, so I'm trying, and I've still got four months to go, get off my case. But who knows? We have to wait and see how all that sort of stuff plays out. Now, according to MB, uh, Ministry of Business Innovation and uh, fuck knows something was starting with E. Every year, more than 100,000 New Zealanders are made redundant, laid off, or have to stop working because of a health condition or disability. I would guess that this will increase with such a safety net in place. So at the moment, about 100,000 people would qualify for this scheme every year by the looks. And I think that that number will increase because I think what you'll find is that once people know that they're paying for something like this, they'll want to know that how, how they can use it. So... Um, I think that that figure, 100,000, must be pretty guessed as well because anything that start or ends with a zero, you know, is kind of made up as well. So it'd be interesting to figure out what that exact number of people is and split it out between redundancy, laid off, and then stopping to work. 
because of a health condition or disability, like I put that into a bit of a different category, but apparently this scheme will cover those per, uh, those people as well. Now, of course, there will be some people that will never access this scheme in their life, but be expected to pay and have their employers pay too. Those people are going to feel pretty ripped off by this, aren't they? Because they're going to contribute for their whole life. So say someone on 130k, and they say they never get made redundant, or they're going to be paying two grand a year that they work, and their employers as well, and they're never going to use it. You know, there will just be a number of those people that will exist because they will never want to not be in a job and they'll just never get the benefit of it but they'll pay for it their entire life. But that's kind of how taxes and levies and things like that work as well and somebody else will get those benefits. Now what I do find very interesting is that this will be compulsory. So there's no like, oh hey, you know, can you just not chuck that levy onto my payslip boss? Like I don't want to contribute to that. I'll just suck up. What happens if I get made redundant? You know, this is going to be compulsory. You, you'll have to pay it. But KiwiSaver, on the other hand, is voluntary. Now, you'd assume that an income insurance scheme will never be used, that will never be used by a lot of Kiwis. But KiwiSaver will, of course, because we're all going to get to an age where we want to retire and when we can get that money. But it makes you wonder why KiwiSaver then isn't compulsory. Why are we making this scheme compulsory, preparing for a black swan that may or may not come and the fact that a lot of people won't be made redundant, but KiwiSaver isn't compulsory when all of us are going to retire at some stage and we know that we're underprepared for KiwiSaver uh, for retirement as a country. So very, very interesting that they're making it compulsory. Maybe they'll do that to build up some funds and then they'll invest those and that pot will sit there for decades and decades and then one day we'll be able to say, look, you know what, it's not compulsory anymore uh, and, and it will become you know, means tested or there, there'll be a way that you can kind of contribute uh, and then others can't and you'll be able to claim it. And who knows? I'd imagine it'll, it's, it's a pool of cash that is going to build up, right? Because everybody's contributing, but only 100,000 people are drawing from it each year. That means that there's going to be more than is taken and therefore that will get invested, that will build up a big fund. That's where it will be interesting to see what happens with this decades down the track. But for a lot of us, you know, it won't be, uh, it'll probably, yeah, who knows, it won't be something that we'll be, we'll be worried too much about. But um, it'll be interesting to see if this one goes through. And just a disclaimer on this, you know, this is just my research on this and my reading and trying to understand it. And I'm by no means an expert and there are a number of other little details and heaps of stuff. But I thought if I keep adding in the details, it's just, you know, you get bored here with the, the number of kind of little pieces here where um, what happens to self-employed people and what happens if you try to use it twice in one year and there's heaps of shit out there on this if you do want to have a Google and have a read up about it. But one of the final things that I did think is pretty interesting is that Grant Robertson has said that the government hoped to introduce this legislation before the end of the year and pass it before the next election rolls around. Now we are in October, we've only got November, December. They must be working on this hard in the background if they're going to get this legislation in by the end of the year. There were a lot of submissions against this and a number of people who you thought would be supportive of it were not. Uh, there were there are concerns that this will create a bit of a two-tiered society, um, which I don't even, yeah, I can't remember who. It might have been the Salvation Army or something that were concerned about that, but there were um, people for, there were people against, and the people saying that this is too rushed, but this is actually been worked on for quite a while and been worked on with the business community and staff and um, it, it's yeah it's it's the, I think the other thing that I find interesting is why does the employer have to contribute when it's the employee that will be the person gaining from it if they are to be made redundant and getting paid from the scheme why is the employer 
contributing to something that they aren't actually um, getting anything back from or for as such. But that's the piece that I kind of just don't really understand is why are we, yeah, why are we making the employer contribute? But maybe it's kind of modelled like the KiwiSaver thing again where that's how we speed up the amount of money going into the pool. Let's make it compulsory for the employer to contribute as well and then we can build it up. Now my bet is that we will be seeing this refined and passed through because like I said at the start, I think it's quite a good legacy play and something to have put in place by our government. So uh, we will see what happens. Now watch this space. You're one of over 6,500 recipients and podcast listeners, of course, as well. If you know someone you could forward this to, that would be outstanding. Chuck something on your social media. Send this podcast to somebody. Get them listening. Get them learning. Did you know, this is the other interesting thing, if you qualify for the insurance, you can also work and earn to top up the 20% difference that the insurance doesn't pay you. So you're only getting paid 80% of your income but I did read that you can actually go and work and do a little bit of work as long as you don't go past the, the difference, so the 20%, which I thought, okay, so you basically could, for six months, have a part-time job to bring in a little bit of coin. It doesn't go above the difference between the 80 and the 100 of what you used to get paid and then get 80% of your income paid out from the scheme. So uh, an interesting thing there, and I'm sure, again, people will want to game that part of the system. Remember, if you want to leave a question, there's a link at the bottom of the email that you can Uh, add one in there and Mikey and I will answer those when we do a podcast together at some stage and I've also chucked in a little image at the bottom of these emails if you want to sponsor an episode so someone has got in touch about that uh, and they weren't keen at the end but hey you know it is what it is so if you would like to sponsor an episode then uh, fill your boots we can chuck your business or branding down the bottom as long as it sort of aligns with the way we think and um, you're not trying to sell everyone some weird shit or Ponzi scheme or something so uh, we'll obviously vet that but uh, that's an option as well so I hope you are looking after yourself out there apologies that this one's been a little bit late we'll get episode number 128 out Friday morning which will be tomorrow be good have a good weekend Seems to free his mind at night He's all alone, something